Welcome to the Living to 100 Club podcast. Here's our host, Dr. Joseph Cassiani. Well, hello to everyone joining us today on our podcast. You're listening to one of our successful aging episodes this month on the Living to 100 Club program. And I'm your host, Joe Cassiani. Each week, our conversations educate and inspire, helping you get the best out of all the years we're given, regardless of what obstacles come our way. Today's event is a conversation about aging well from a psychological perspective. As host of the Living to 100 Club podcast, I will be interviewing Dr. Hugh Pates, a clinical psychologist with a specialty in working with older adults. We'll discuss some of the central elements for a successful aging journey, including how people cope with the many physical, emotional, and personal setbacks that often occur as we age. We will explore how this coping is sometimes adaptive and healthy, and sometimes not so adaptive. Our guest will share his experiences as a professional who's worked for many years with older adults residing in nursing homes, facing a wide variety of medical problems. Time will be reserved for Q&A from the audience. Before we start, I'd like to just read a little mini bio on Dr. Pates. Dr. Hugh Pates received his doctorate degree in 1970. He served as professor and dean of students at the University of California for 25 years. He's also served as president of the San Diego Psychological Association, the University City Community Association, University of California Retirees Association, and a board member of the California Psychological Association. For 20 years, Dr. Pates was an associate of Concept Healthcare Psychology Group, committed to serving the behavioral needs of patients in skilled nursing facilities. He continues in his professional psychology practice, working with a variety of adult and older adult patients. Dr. Pates' articles on providing psychological interventions to meet the emotional and personal needs of seniors mm -hmm. have been published in a variety of magazines and journals. He has a passionate belief that each individual can live a very long life with vibrant quality and strong purposefulness to the end of life. Welcome, Dr. Pence. Glad to have you with us today. Glad to be back with you, Joe. After four years and a different path, it's nice to be here. Yes. We have well, a very nice audience that have chosen to join us, and so we're we very do. fortunate. We have a nice live audience today. Typically, yeah. our podcasts are recordings only, but this is a, a live audience, so we'll have an opportunity for some discussion afterwards. Live, uh, but lively also. Uh, lively. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right, I always like to open by asking my guests to tell us maybe the highlights of the journey that, that brought you to where you are today. You've gone down a lot of roads over the years, I know, but Maybe the highlights of what brought you to where you are today. Well, I would like to start with the highlight. After spending 26 years at the University of California in San Diego with young men and women trying to find their own identity and trying to find their path in life, um, I had the opportunity to retire 
And I really wanted to retire, and mainly because I wanted to control my own time. I wanted to get up in the morning sometimes and say, I have nothing to do today. Oh, that's good. <laughs> we'll figure it out as we go along. And uh, I have found that to be a great blessing in retirement. And after I retired, I took a journey of uh, 13 states in the United States, got in my car and said, I want to see the country. And I wanted to visit all the state capitals in the United States. And eventually I got that done. And when I came back, I decided to spend a couple of weeks sitting on the beach in La Jolla Shores. And I did that and contemplating my navel and other things <laughs> and deciding, well, where do I go from here? And I happened to come across an article in one of the magazines I was reading and said that senior psychological services was hiring therapists. And so I called up senior psychological services and there was Joe. And um, I went in and interviewed and they accepted me as a person that they could use to be able to serve the needs that they had. And so that's when I started my journey in being able to work with older adults. I, we had a, assignments to go to nursing homes. And in the nursing homes, there was primarily aging folks. And it was a shock to me. I had not been in a nursing home before. And walking into a nursing home, I had a sinking feeling. And here these folks are all in beds for the most part. And started to visit with them and found that for the most part, they all had some form of traumatic experience in their life before they became ill and wound up in the nursing home. The one aspect of the nursing home that was most uh, difficult for me was the lack of contact these people had. Four, they had four beds to a room, most of them on Medicare or Medi-Cal. They probably had a visitor maybe once a quarter, maybe once a month. They were all lonely. They were only a few feet apart and never talked to each other. They would go to the only time that they would find themselves enjoying was going to their meals at the breakfast, the lunch, and dinner. And they would be with four other people. And oftentimes they wouldn't say anything to each other. And so I thought, wow, I need to stay here and see if I can't lift these people's spirits just a bit. And Joe had already had some outlines and some ideas about interventions we could make that would possibly be helpful and useful to these individuals. And so I started using those. And pretty soon I adapted to the environment and they adapted to me. And I found it was really useful, helpful, and enjoying experience to work with these individuals. And then I began to think, you know, I'm getting older myself. And uh, am I going to wind up in a place like this? Or where am I going to be able to spend my later years? What am I going to do? So I decided that I was going to enter into a program of aging for myself. How is it that I'm going to be able to age successfully and enjoy aging myself? What, what am I going to do? I was happily married at the time. My wife and I were married for 49 years before she passed away from Alzheimer's, which is an aging disease. And the two most important women in my life, my mother and uh, my wife, both died of Alzheimer's. So uh, I became very connected to the aging process. So I set out a program for myself and I 
decided that probably the most important part of aging is having good health. So I decided to start on a health program. And in that program, I have incorporated, I walk every day for at least a mile, maybe a mile and a half or two miles. I spend some time, 15 minutes a day meditating. I spend at least 20 minutes a day reading to keep my head going and clear. And uh, I spend time investing in relationships. I think that relationships are going to sustain me and I hope that I can sustain relationships. So um, I talk to my son every day. I talk to my daughter about once a week. I have uh, five grandchildren. I have one of my granddaughters living with me. <laughs> talk about being educated. She's, uh, she's uh, 23 at this time. And, uh, and then I have a, a grandson who's 12 and he's become a basketball player. And I used to play basketball. And he thinks I know something about it, which is really neat, you know. So I tell him a few things and he responds, oh, Grandpa, I did that and it works. I think that's just wonderful. And I also uh, started out with a group of older men. We had 11 men that would meet at the local coffee shop every day from about uh, 7.30 till about 10 o'clock, depending on how we could stand each other. And, uh, but I thought, you know, this is really nice. These old guys, we have no other place to go. So we come and we join with each other and we talk about life. And there were veterans there and there were a doctor there. And there was, it was a very enjoyable experience. <clears throat> and I thought, I'm going to do this as much as I can for the rest of my life. <clears throat> and so currently I'm a member of two groups that meet uh, once a month. Uh, one is a group of my local San Diego Psychological Association. It's called a Committee on Aging. And in that particular group, we meet for an hour and a half. The first half is on learning or talking about the strategies that we use in our practice with aging adults. And we bring up cases and talk about them, give each other advice. And the second half has to do with our personal lives. How are we doing ourselves? You know, we're helping other people. How are we doing? And so we give each other encouragement. We bring up problems that we need to solve. Uh, one guy said, you know, uh, I just had an interesting experience. Uh, I read heard, heard about this guy that was old and uh, his grandson came in with a bag of marbles. He said, Grandpa, these are for you. He said, what are, give me a bag of marbles for it. Oh, he said, Mom said you lost all yours. <laughs> so, uh, so we tell each other and keep each other informed on various kinds of uh, what's happening in the age of aging. And the other group I am are former classmates that I went to school with. And in this group, there are eight of us. Four of them are 90 or older. And uh, we're talking about living to be 100. But what we talk about is, what's it like to be this age? We've never been this old before. What's it like? What do we get out of life? What is What makes life important? What do we want to go on for? And uh, so I'll talk about that as we go along in some of the activities that we're here. So that is my uh, aging uh, school. And uh, the other one that I think is important is finances and having money. You know, I, I thought early on, if you don't have enough money, you're not going to be able to do much. So fortunately, I had a consultant that put me on to a, 
an advisor that has been very successful for me. And so that's a worry that I don't have that oftentimes in dealing with elderly, they do. My dad used to, his greatest fear in life was he's going to run out of money before he ran out of days. And uh, when he died, he left a little bit of money, but he still had ways to go. But he decided to die. He was 84 years old. I used to call him during the week and I'd say, how you doing, Dad? Okay. Got anything planned, though? Uh, are they treating you well? I guess so. He said, hey. I see his name was Don. He said, Don. Oh, Don wants to die. I said, can't help you with that. I hope you don't. Don't give me that crap. If I want to die, I'm going to die. I said, okay. And so one day my brother and, and my dad's sister came in to visit with him in the nursing home. And uh, my his youngest sister got up to leave to go to the bathroom. And he looked over at my brother and he took his hand and he said, I'm going to go. And he went. So if you want to die, there's a way to get there. If you want to live, we think there's a way to get there too. So we're going to talk about that today. Thank you, Hugh. Thank you. You've outlined a lot of the strategies for living well, living longer. You're an honorary member of my Living to 100 Club. So I think you are uh, showing great examples, great strategies. The social engagement, I think, is probably the most important ingredient. We know a lot of elements to living longer and fitness and diet and nutrition. Um, but to me, social engagement is right up there at the top. networks whatever's going on so you're you're the epitome you're a great example of how to stay connected with friends with support with networks and that's great yeah so tell us a little bit about your uh, your current work are you still working as a psychologist i know part-time tell us a little bit about the practice types of patients you see types of problems you help with uh well uh when uh, the pandemic came unfortunately for all of us uh the nursing homes were not accepting my presence any longer because they didn't want me to bring something in or bring something out. So for two years, uh, the practice was in hiatus. But during that time, I, another friend of mine had started a uh, an organization called HELP. And the idea was, her concept was for psychologists to go to the homes of elderly because the elderly had more difficulty finding transportation or getting someplace. And uh, so her business was put on hold too, because you know, people did not want folks coming into their home with the possibility of contracting the COVID. So we put a lot of effort into formulating telehealth, talking to people either on the telephone or by Zoom. So I had never thought about when I was younger that there would come a day when I would be in my slippers and uh, <laughs> my shorts and be able to do therapy with somebody out there on them. So, uh, but, but it's important to me because I spent a lot of 32 years in school, you might as well know something and be able to utilize it in a way that may be helpful to someone else. So I keep uh, 10 patients at this time and each of them, all of them have are aging. I have one patient that's 37, but all the others are 58 or older. And all of them had at some time in their life 
have had some type of uh, trauma. One woman uh, was an adopted child. And uh, when she would make a mistake or when she was younger, her mother would sit her down in the chair and then make her get down on the floor and she would drag her by her hair around the room. And uh, when she would give her a bath, if she hadn't been good that day, she would hold her under water until she could barely breathe. Then she would let her up. And then uh, if she did, again, something wrong, she'd put her in a closet for about three or four hours. And so she emerged out of that closet and uh, had some difficulty in life, but eventually married, had four children. Uh, her husband started to abuse one of her daughters and uh, she did not know about it. So the daughter and she are still separated in terms of why she didn't help at the time, but she has a son and a daughter that she has contact with, but she is dealing with enormous feelings of anger, hatred, uh, frustration, disappointment, guilt, and depression. Another one of my uh, patients was a veteran of the Vietnam War. And uh, his, he has PTSD, wakes up often with uh, terrible sights. And he started out because the fact he said, you know, I came face to face with three young Vietnamese. I shot them, killed them right there with my machine gun. He said, I've never forgotten that. He said, uh, when I go into a, a shopping center like this, if I come across an Asian person, I freeze. I get real nervous, whether it be a man or a woman. And all the thoughts of that particular moment come flooding back to me. And uh, he's been married and has uh, two children. And he said, no one really understands what that's been like or what I've been through. And I said, I understand that. That's why I'm here. So uh, we are in consultation over those issues. And lastly, one other patient that I have is schizophrenic. And uh, was born that way. And as he was growing up, people put a lot of pressure on him. You can do better. You don't need to be that way. And so he always felt very inadequate, very unable to adapt and be part of society. And very difficult to be able to concentrate for any period of time. So he was never able to uh, have a, a work life at all. He was never able to be engaged in a, any kind of a relationship with a woman. And so now he masturbates and he still feels very guilty about that because he never had any sexual experiences or not. And so he feels very lonely and still feels uh, very apart from society. But he's been taking his medication. <laughs> he had a terrible temper. And he would try to walk the street and then the car came up and stuff. You give him the finger. And then he'd scream at the guy for giving him, upsetting him. What's the matter with you? You know that the poor guy in the car, I don't know what he thought. You know, he stopped. So uh, uh, we, lately he has not had the last two weeks. He has no explosions of anger. Uh, he's been going to the library. He's been associating in his Starbucks every morning with, with coffee, talking to people. And so uh, fortunately, I came into his life at a time that was helpful and useful for him. So those are some sure. of the patients sure. that I'm seeing. Yeah, thank you. You know, I'd like to talk about successful aging and one of the ingredients for <laughs> successful aging. And to me, I, you know, living to 100 club, it's a nice goal, uh, living to 100. Maybe it's not in the cards for everybody, but I say 
you can stay positive while trying. But my thing is successful aging means dealing with whatever comes along, whatever those challenges are that we encounter, whatever those bumps and potholes. I always say it's not a smooth road. There's always going to be some challenges that we have to deal with. So I'd like to ask you, Hugh, what what are some of the common kind of challenges that you've seen in, in your older adult patient caseloads? And what are the challenges? And you mentioned a few cases, but maybe others that are um, as common or more common? Oh, well, I think the, uh, the major challenge to life, there are four, I think. One is health. I think far and away being able to deal with one's health on a daily. The unexpected of our life, I never thought I'd get sick or get ill, and I wasn't for a long time. And uh, the only thing I had was bad knees and went in one time to see the physician. And he said to me, he said, would you think about having both your knees replaced at the same time? I said, yeah. Because he looked up at the chart with the x-ray. He said, you don't have a leg, good leg to stand on. Uh, that's good news. So uh, so I said, yeah, let's do it. So we were in the operating room for six hours. And uh, one physician worked on one leg and the other worked on the other. And uh, and so I uh, really went after healing. I think that's the part. The part is one getting ill. The second part is how do we heal? How do we get better? And when I was out there walking in my painful knees, another fellow that had an operation at the same time said, oh, I can't, I can't do it. It's too painful. You know, I, I, I got it. And it took him forever to get better. And it took me six weeks. So it depends upon the, not only getting ill unexpectedly, but how do we accept the illness? How do we work with it and how do we get better? And the important part is I want to get better. Next question is what for? So I think it's important that individuals have a reason to get better. Uh, the second thing I think is uh, death. As we get older, all of a sudden people start dropping off. Uh, I was telling you about this group that we had last Thursday, a week ago Thursday, he, he was the organizer of our group. And we had a great discussion on various aids of health. And uh, next day, we got an email from his wife. He had died of a heart attack that night. So how do you deal with that? How do you have you know vital and lively contact with somebody else? And boom, they're gone. And then there's relationships. Sometimes we get a little older. Somebody says the wrong thing in the wrong time. And, and I ain't talking to you for the rest of my life. Well, what did I say? You know, well, you, you should know by now. You're old enough. Oh, I'm old. And suddenly that relationship is untethered. And it's a real surprise. What, what am I going to do? How am I going to handle it? How am I going to get back with this? And, uh, and the other aspect, I think, is the finances. Individuals, uh, you know, sometime in life or long ago, uh, you could go to the movie for a quarter. And, and now you can't get in for less than 10 bucks if you go to a good theater. And so it changed. And to be able to, to grow up and to change with the times of dealing with money is a real challenge, I think. You know, how much do I have? How much can I spend? 
And then uh, where do I invest it or do I invest it? And if I invest, I have had friends that invested and lost a lot of money and they're gun shy now. And so they're holding on to money. And so it's it's a real challenge in life. And uh, how am I going to survive? So those from my experience, Joe, are the, sure. the major challenges that we as uh, aging folks face. Yes, so health, death, relationships, finances. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-494-8310. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-494-8310. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-494-8310. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Again, I always ask the question, how do we understand these events? How do we explain these events that occur in our lives? How, how we explain them is going to color how well we cope with them. If we you know, perceive an event like the loss of a close friend, we just had coffee yesterday, now I learned that he's passed away. How do we explain that to ourselves? We can do it in a positive way or in a less than positive way. And that's going to influence how well we cope with that loss. Similarly, for a health event, a fall, tripping over a curb, the person says, well, I'm just getting too old. I better be careful. I shouldn't be outside anymore. <clears throat> maybe I need to walk or maybe I need to wheel. Yeah, maybe we do. Sometimes we need these aids. But color how well we cope with how well we manage it. So these are four themes, important themes, health, death, how we understand death in our lives and what does that mean when someone leaves us and the relationships as we always talked about, the social engagement to me, that's number one, that connection. And fourthly, the finances. Sometimes we have some choices over that. Sometimes we don't, of course. And I'm always concerned about people, as you said, there's a concern about running out of funds to, you know, stay on living in a retirement community. I don't know how long would we have to afford this. So again, um, to me, successful aging means staying positive no matter what gets in the way, no matter what the events are. And again, how we explain it, how we interpret it, we can take a negative turn explanation, or we can take a positive spin on it. So that's really key. Hugh, let me ask you, um, what are some ways that you recommend people can deal with some of these physical setbacks, personal setbacks, financial, what what kind of recommendations can you offer to deal with some of these very real challenges? Well, as a psychologist, uh, we, I think that most of our lives begin in our head. And I think 
the way we talk to ourselves has significant influence throughout our lives. Um, uh, and I think being able to, to somehow get real of our thoughts back in, either from the past or for the future, and say, well, what about now? You know, uh, I used to have a habit of going to bed and I was always planning my next day. And I don't know how many people I talked to each night. And then one day I woke up, I said, you know, these people aren't even here. They don't even listen to me. Why don't you go to sleep? And so I thought that's a good idea, you know, to, uh, because we do have, I do anyhow, we have a tendency to talk to people in our head about all kinds of things over which we have no control. And we want to change their behavior. We want to be able to give them some advice. We want them to get uh, know us a little bit better. And then you stop and say, well, they're not here. What can you do? Well, what I can do is focus on where I'm at right here, right now. And uh, that's uh, oftentimes there are people in our lives with whom we have had disappointments, discouragement. We get angry. So we will talk to these people and tell them how angry we are. Is that a problem? What good does that do? It doesn't do anything. It gets my heart rate going up, but it doesn't change anything. And so I think the important part is what can I change about what's happened? What power do I have? When my friend passed away, Jim, I was very sad and lost. And then I thought, what can I do? Well, what I can do is remember what a great guy he was and what contributions he made to, to me and to other people. And I'm sorry that he's gone, but I am very grateful for having had him in my life. Uh, the other day when I uh, stumbled and dove into the cement, <laughs> I'll tell you this story. What happened there, one of my friends was 92 years old coming to visit me because uh, he's coming to make money at the racetrack Del Maro. <laughs> so he had come down and and I'm an expert at horse racing by the way. If you need tips just let me know. That's the truth. <laughs> I go I go every day if I can. And uh, so he got off the plane and I'll talk about resilience about him maybe a little bit further on. And he and I went to reach out my hand to re greet him. Boom. I went down. Fortunately, I bounced. You know, I uh, nothing happened. There were lost consciousness or anything, and so all of a sudden there was this phalanx of police persons and health officials, and I wanted to get up, put a bandaid on, and go on. And they said, "No, man, you have a hole in your head." And that's a really so. Uh, got a hole in my head, and, and so you need to go to the uh, to the emergency room. I didn't want to go to the emergency room. I felt fine. But what am I going to do about it? Am I going to argue with these people? Am I going to tell them, don't tell me what to do? I know. I got in and went to the emergency room. There, yeah. yeah. Right. But there was my 92-year-old friend standing there. My car was right there. It's just a multiple park with others. So what? What? 92. And I so I said to the uh, uh, I said to the uh, fireman I said you got to take him up to the motel. So I can't do that. I said well he can't drive a car. He just came from out of town. He said well he's I said he's ninety two. He said does he have a driver's license? Yeah well well he still does. 
amazing. So what I so I started to contemplate, you know, what am I going to do about this? So I can't do anything. I just got to let it go. Because yeah, I need to take care of myself. And so sure enough, <laughs> my 92-year-old friend got in my car. I said, how did you get there? He said, well, uh, the police person gave me some instructions. And then the other guy got in the car and pressed your button that gives me a, the lady that talks to you, tells you where to go. And <laughs> so he went to the hotel. No reservations. No reservations. We made him three months ago. No reservations. <laughs> so I, I didn't know all this until later. So he said, what am I going to do? Got in the car and pressed the lady. Went to another hotel. 92 years old. With a cane. I'll tell you about the terrible... And so what am I going to do? So I put my son in charge to take care of it. Called her from the hospital. I said, how are you doing? Well, for an old duffer, I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> I thought hearing that voice was very consoling to me. But in those incidents, what can we do? I can be be upset about it. I can you know, blame myself for not watching out what I'm doing about it. I can do it. Just let it go. And somehow it works out. And so when we have difficult, whatever we can amend, whatever we can write, whatever we can uh, do for our health, we do. We can't do anything about it. I think it's important to be able to accept what our limitations are and let go and and go on. I had, When I was young and I would get in difficult situations, I, I would imagine myself as, remember when we were young, we used to go to the fair or to a uh, some type of activity. We, yeah, little kids, we got balloons. And what a wonderful thing that was to have that balloon and walk through. And all of a sudden, the balloon would go. Well, what can you do? You know, blow away. And my mother would say, you can't catch it. It's gone. Why don't you watch it? And I did. And so I used to think that one of the ways that I find dealing with those types of concerns and questions that I have is I put them in a balloon, take them outside. Let them go and watch them. So there are various ways that we have of coping or dealing with situations, and that's mine. That's good. Yes. Yeah. The, 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 just go back to the self-talk that goes on in our heads, and there's so much that um, you know we can solve, and so much that we can. Um, create more problems with by that thinking going on in our head. And a lot of it is, what are we perceiving and how are we explaining? Are we looking for the positives or are we looking for the negatives? You know, the old example is the glass half full or is the glass half empty? I say, if it's an eight ounce glass with four ounces of water, both half full and half empty. So you decide. When I do a presentation in front of a large group, I'll divide it into the right half and left half. And they say, everybody on the right side, I want you to put your optimism hat on. You're the optimist. I want you to look around the room and find everything that's good about it. Maybe the sunlight, the furniture, the plants look healthy, whatever. Find everything that's good. Okay, then everybody on the other side, you're the pessimist. Put your pessimist hat on and look for everything that's wrong. Maybe stains on the carpet, marks on the walls, maybe a broken lamp, a fixture. Then we reconvene after a minute and I ask for feedback and we get the positives and we get the negatives and 
my point at the end of the exercise is that it's the same route. What are we looking for? If we're looking for what's good about it, we'll find it. If we're looking for things that are wrong, we'll find that too. So that's a lot of what, what you're saying, Hugh, that some things are under our control and we can manage that, and some things are out of our control and we cannot manage that. I think it's important to recognize that we spend a lot of time worrying about things that are not under our control, and it creates a lot of tension and frustration and anxiety. So being able to discern the difference between what I can control, like attitudes and thoughts and feelings and kindness and acceptance, those are under our control. Things that are not under our control are losing the balloon when we're a child or saying the wrong thing to someone 10 years ago or um, maybe, you know, maybe gas prices or food prices, these are not under our control. So let's recognize what we can control and what we cannot control. And I think that's an important ingredient here, uh, keeping that tension and frustration and so many things we worry about that we just don't have any control over. I mean, a lot of terrible things going on with the weather and flooding and fires and yeah, it's terrible stuff, but that's not something we can take on and try to manage ourselves. So that's that's a good point. And um, managing the anger, I, you know, I I think that's so important. And not let we have to respect the emotions, right? The anger, the sadness, but we don't let it control us. And there's a difference. We respect the feelings. We respect the unpleasant feelings, but we don't let it take over and let it control us. So uh, those are good recommendations, you and you know positive regards for somebody who's taken out of our life and uh, someone who's not around anymore and recognizing the good, that positives, what we learned, how we enjoyed that relationship. Mm -hmm. these, are, these are important ingredients. Well, I could tell a short story. I do go to the racetrack and uh, <laughs> often. And uh, a while ago, last year, there was a, two young, two men sitting in front of me and uh, and they decided that they were going to bet more than they probably could afford. And this one fellow had money on a particular horse, number seven. And uh, number seven was ahead coming down the stretch. And he was so happy and cheering. And all of a sudden, two other horses passed him by. He had a hat on. He threw his hat down. He started to yell at the jockey and the horse. And his friend said, George, 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 the race is over. It's done. I know what that SOB, but I don't care what the he can't do it anymore. George, I can't. And finally, he said, George, if you don't settle down, I'm leaving. George, the race is over. Go on to the next one. And that's how life is sometimes. Yeah. I God, that's a good life lesson. My horse won, so I felt okay about it. <laughs> But the race was over that you won too. That's so right. You let go of that. So I let go, I let go of the money too, unfortunately. <laughs> well, that's great. So just one more question about resilience and you know, the ability to get back up after we're knocked down, right? You know, we're knocked down on the mat and we get back up as a boxing match. And that's such an important ingredient for staying positive and not being weighed down. And I think you've touched on resilience and a lot of your explanations today, but any thoughts on resilience? Where, where does it come from? How do we tap into it? What can, where do we get more of it? What do you think? I think uh, resilience primarily comes from encouragement that somewhere along in our life, 
there were traumas or bad experience or difficult experiences. And somebody supported us and helped us, gave us encouragement. And we were able to overcome it. Um, this fellow, 92 years old, that I was talking about, uh, the last two years, uh, he's uh, been very interesting because he was driving down a hill to his house and his brakes quit. And so he had two choices, one to go over a, a hill and down the hill or go into a tree. He decided to go into a tree and the bag didn't inflate. So his foot then his chest went into the, so he spent about three weeks in the hospital recovery. He came out, he said, I'm ready to go. He came out and about two months later, he had a gallbladder. Went in the hospital, they took out his gallbladder. And, uh, and then, <laughs> And then he uh, went to the hospital to be examined. And while he was in the hospital, he slipped on the terrazzo, broke his hip, sliding into a, a chair. I said, how are you doing, man? He said, oh, I'm doing fine. I'm coming back. I'm coming with resilience. And, uh, and I said, what in the world? How do you do that? How do you keep coming back? He said, my dad told me one time when I was young, he said, don't let the bastards get you down. <laughs> he, he said, so anything comes into my life, I'm not letting them get me down. I'm coming back. And so here he was coming back, 92 years old in an automobile. So it's partly it's practice, partly it's experience, partly it's a willingness and a wanting to. I want to go on, but I don't care. He walks with a cane. I said, what's a good cane? It keeps the snakes away. And uh, so it's, it's what we do. Like Joe said, it's in our head. It's in our bodies. It's primarily in our willingness to be able to come back and do it. And this is helpful if we've got a reason for it or somebody to come back for it. But even if we don't, we want to go on and we can. Hmm. And it's always there, I maintain, right? It's, we might feel like it's gone or it's, it's blocked. We've lost that drive. We've lost that fire. But I maintain as long as we're taking in a breath, we still have that ability to get back up off the mat. And I saw so many patients in the nursing homes that you know would throw their hands up and say, I'm done, I can't go to physical therapy, I can't heal anymore. And other patients with the same problem, maybe a stroke or a hip fracture, they would say, Okay, I've got to dig deep and I've got to go to rehab and I've got to fight, get back on my feet. So, what's the difference? It is that resilience, it is that fire in that drop. And we all have. I think we all have it inside of us. So even though it feels like it's gone sometime or right, it's you know, emptied out, I think if we dig deep, it's there. We find it. And we find that courage and that strength and that fire to keep moving. So Hugh, thanks so much for this interview. And let's open it up for questions or comments. We have some time to address this, Shelly. Um, I'm a member two discussions women who have been career women and now they're all retired. And frequently one of them will comment that they don't have a purpose, either because they're no longer working or their spouse for whom they cared is no longer alive and the grandchildren are all gone and all that. I hear it all. So how do you address the sense at this age of being purposeless? Well, the idea is that the opposite of purposelessness is having a purpose. 
And one of the things I uh, asked is if you had, if you were young, you know, if you were still had your health and you still, if you had a choice of what you would like to do in life, what would you choose? And oftentimes I come up, well, I would like to take a trip or I would like to uh, take care of kids or I would like, they have, people have fantasies about what they would have liked to done. And so I said, well, what keeps you from doing that now? How can we work together to be able to create the opportunity for you to give it a go? Some people come back to school. Some of you have come back to, to classes. You know, what for? I want to learn. So you're motivated. So it's the opportunity to find a purpose. And I think individuals can find it. I think part of what they're asking for is sympathy. Oh, you poor thing. God, you don't have any purpose in life. That's, that's awful. You know, I feel so sorry for you. Well, okay, that's one thing. And they do get a little attention and some, and some. But the other end is, you know, what can what can we do? I, I I'm kind of an admirer of uh, the former President Obama, and here's a young man that uh, grew up without a father and a mother part time and was black, and so he decided to run for office. And they said, "Oh God, you can't you can't make it. You're." too young and you're too black and what are you going to do so he ran for president <laughs> and uh, what inspired me about him was his saying yes we can yes i can and uh, and i think about us you know when we think about you know i'm really disturbed and upset with somebody that has uh, hurt me can i forgive this person i can't forgive this person it's too hard but yes, I can. I can forgive this person. I don't have a purpose in life. I don't have a meaning anymore. Everything's gone away from me. Can I get restored? Can I get active? Can I become involved? Yes, I can. We talk about individuals that are coming back from being injured. It's hurt. Oh, it hurts too much. I can't go through that pain. Yes, we can. As we get older and we think about ourselves, can we be resilient? Can I forgive? Can I get healthy? Can I be involved with other people? Can I live a life that is rewarding, fulfilling to the end of my life? Yes, we can. That's very good, Hugh. Thank you. Thank you. Good points. I would just add, I, I call it starting new chapters. Things happen in our lives, and you know maybe it's a desired change, or maybe it's an unwanted change. Maybe a divorce, or maybe downsizing, or giving up the car keys. We have to look at starting a new chapter. Uh, it's another milestone, and maybe now I'm a widow, or I'm a widow. I'm going to be looking at my future, and you know it looks dark without my spouse, but I'm going to open a new chapter. And I, I always encourage people to think about knocking on doors because we have to go after these things. We can't wait for people to bring them to us. And I say we have to be the knocker and not wait for somebody to knock on our doors and say, here, I'm going to help you. Um, just quickly, I was doing a class like this online and someone, an older gentleman said, you know, I keep hearing about the golden years, golden years this, golden years that. <laughs> Everybody talks about the golden years. I'm still waiting. <laughs> so I said, okay, uh, 
You've got to be the golden years. You've got to be whatever you think the golden years are to you. You've got to become that. You become the change that you want. So you have to go after whatever those golden years are. You have to work on yours instead of waiting for somebody to work on your goal. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I've answered this when I stole from what things that you've been saying, but in many, many years, people have said um, that MLUs and people who are married or with a partner or live with someone who live in a community do better um, or have a dog or an animal. Um, or is it just, just the, is it the mindset that you know, if you live alone, you make yourself, make your space, make your life filled with these things on your phone. Is there a statistic that people that, you know, live in a community live together do better? Oh, yes. Oh, there are people that are uh, in, even having animals that they really treasure. Yes, they live longer, but the important part is they live better. They have more higher quality of life. And the main reason for that is because they feel valued. For all of us, where do we get value on? What value are we? And if a puppy loves me or a cat, that's wonderful. If uh, my son really cares for me, it's wonderful. That's really the important part of this. I think that uh, it is difficult, I think, to, to live alone and for individuals. I know individuals that do, particularly men, more bachelors than <laughs> and crush themselves in their lives. Good thing that there's the meals on wheels, otherwise they'd starve to death. The, uh, but I think it, it is just, like Joe said, it's the mindset. And so some, it takes a push sometimes, but there are opportunities available to all of us if and when we want to take care of it. But it's, yeah, so I don't know if I answered your question, Ron, but uh, I, have no, uh, I had a lady 87 years old and said, what, what do you attribute to your uh, good health? She said, well, she said, I get up, I get dressed, and I get out. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Uh, a couple of things that you said kind of validated an attitude thought that I had. When I first was diagnosed with COD, I yes. felt uh, something was taken away. Yes. I used to be a harmonica player. <laughs> I can't do that really that much. Uh, and I said, my, I remember my grandmother saying every time something would happen to her that she couldn't control, she would sigh and say, what are you going to do? And from that, I understood it to be you get busy living or you get busy dying, one of the two. So that leads me to, what can I do with this? Oh, well, I know I have people who can't go anywhere because they don't have portable concentrators. So right. Those, and then this gets farther. And it's looking for how I intellectually can, and, and research how I can get past something that seems to be standing in my way that's physical. Then you got to do that psychologically with the laws of attraction. That's you just it's got to do a work on all levels. Well, you're here. That's, well, a, I, that's a great statement. Well, you got up, you got out, and you're here. I congratulate you. Well, you, it's her. <laughs>
<laughs> and I like the way you take compliments. <laughs> we have a couple minutes left. Any other comments? I think all this should be taken in yeah, uh, a little moderation goes a long way, right? Even with our diets, and people say. You don't need all these supplements if we're having, you know, a moderate amount of fats and carbohydrates and sugar. So it's all in moderation. But uh, I think you're right. That's an important thing. It's a good comment. Thank you. Yes. Um, you haven't mentioned taste. It doesn't matter what church or you go to church. Right. But the relationship with the higher up, um, I think that's where you want to stop people. Very good. Because otherwise, you know, there's not something to encourage you that everyone can follow. For me, it's like stepping on the bus, you're gone. That's it. You're done. Sure. There's no talk about purpose. Thank you for the comment. That's very thoughtful. Thank you. It doesn't matter what you do. Yeah, that's important. I agree. Uh, I just want to say one other word about when you were talking about the COPD diagnosis. And I think it's, you know, it comes down to like starting new chapters where you have to create another role first, another self definition. We're not defined by who we were yesterday. We can create a new strip, we can create a new role, almost like we have a blank screen and we can put whatever we want on the screen, that can be our new character. We're not limited by who we were 10 years ago or whatever our profession was. So that's the beauty, I think, of staying positive and, and you know, being looking at the upside of aging because we have so much more opportunity. And you know, the, the energy, the, the wisdom, the tolerance, the sense of humor, all the positives that we have, this will serve us well in our senior years. So we can create whatever whatever script we want. It's our it's our it's our stories. We write whatever story we want. So thank you all very much for being here. Thank you for coming. Yes. We appreciate your and be courageous. It takes a lot of courage to yeah. move on with life. Thank you very much, Jim. There you go. That's but, but he tried all the way. <laughs> well, you're all here. I really appreciate your taking the time, putting in the effort and the energy. That's a statement of who you are. Thank you so much. Thank you all. Thank you, Hugh. Thank you, Dr. Bates. Hi, this is Suzanne Newman, host of the Answers for Elders podcast and radio show. 
We are the North Star that guides you through the complicated journey of senior care with trusted experts in money, law, living solutions, and more. So join us on this station, your favorite podcast channel, or just go to AnswersForElders.com. Meet the Way Showers who will help your journey a lot easier.